Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, players? This is the talk of champions, franchise player. Always. Boss player. Forever. Welcome in to Franchise Player, a post-game edition of Franchise Player. Ole Miss beats Tulsa 35-27. to And first, before I jump to David, throw it to David, a disclaimer. In the old days of Ole Miss football, the Rebels probably lose on Saturday. A closer than we expected, or it should have been, 35-27 to win over Tulsa. This is the same program that uh, won 10 games in the same season and also lost to Memphis and Texas Tech with one of his best-ever players in Eli at quarterback. Ole Miss was better than Tulsa, and the Rebels checked off really the only box that matters, David, a win. They're 4-0 after four games. They've won straight 12 straight home games. You can't do better than that. And there was some really fun, encouraging stuff here, but there was also a whole lot of bad. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Yeah, that was a – well, let's just say that one was closer than what – most of us anticipated being, you know, um, yeah, you're talking about a whole lot of bad. There are some things to uh, be concerned with. Number one, you know, Ole Miss gave up 262 yards on the ground today mm. against a team that came in ranked 85th in the nation against the run. Now, they also gave up 457 total offensive yards to a team who played with their second team redshirt freshman quarterback for three quarters. Um, That stings a little bit. Um, This is also an Ole Miss football team that did not score a single point in the third and fourth quarters. And, you know, you can wrap this in red and blue and you can't be five and oh, if you're not four and oh, Ben, but they're going to have to play a lot better next Saturday against the Kentucky Wildcats. Well, if you didn't know by now, I'm Ben Garrett, with the Ole Miss Spirit on three. He's David Johnson inside the Rebels 247. And Franchise Player is a site crossover podcast of our sites. I'll be honest, I'm not feeling so great. My confidence has taken a real hit after that one because Ole Miss now gets eight straight SEC games, starting with, like you said, Kentucky next week, a top 12 team. Maybe it's a little bit of what Lane Kiffin talked about earlier this week, you know, of how when everything is hunky-dory and everybody's patting you on the back, players kind of buy into themselves a little bit and letdowns happen. They sleepwalk through what's supposed to be a laugher against an inferior opponent only to be challenged in a consequential way. Yeah, I get that. And, and you know what? I mean, as we're doing this podcast, Kentucky right now is playing Northern Illinois. That's a team Tulsa beat 38 to 35. So they're going to be the inevitable scoreboard comparison type things. Throw it all out the window. None of that really translates, to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, man, this is, uh, yeah, it, 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 you know, it feels like you've been playing cupcakes for three straight weeks and you finally found 
an opponent that that had a little ump to them and you got the best of their ump today you really didn't even get the best because right. you know as we mentioned davis brand he's out of the game with a bummed up ankle early in the second quarter after he had thrown for 113 yards in the first quarter so you know it, it's a lot to digest we're doing it on the on the spur here but um yeah what a you know we've got a lot to talk about in the coming week yes yes we do Ole Miss and Tulsa finished like 20 minutes ago and again letdowns happen I mean a team can sleepwalk through what's supposed to be yeah. a laugher against an inferior opponent only to be challenged you know in a consequential way they're human it happens and we get such games every week in college football I mean Georgia against Kentucky or Kent State just today and then earlier this season Kentucky put up I think a similar effort against a nearly identical, uninspiring team, uh, a mid-level team. And then Miami was raced by Middle Tennessee today. But there is this sense, this ominous feeling that I have, and I don't know about you, that there are some deeper issues at play here. Because there were, I mean, for once, I mean, for one thing, there were so many missed tackles. Ton of missed tackles. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, I feel like Lane Kiffin here. I don't know what to say to. I go back and watch the film because <laughs> it happened live in front of my eyes, and uh, man, I, I just uh, and forgive me, I've got a I've got a cold, but um, yeah, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. Uh, a lot of the fans left at halftime. You know, one thing I will say, and I don't fault the fans for leaving at halftime because it looked like it was going to be a blowout. Ole Miss put up 28 points in the second quarter, uh, led 35 to 17 at the half. And, and you know, it, it's like, okay, they came out and, and they withstood Tulsa's punch in the gut. We'll call that the first quarter where Tulsa was leading 14 to seven. Um, and then they come racing back like we all knew they were capable of and built the huge halftime lead. But Ben, that was it. That was it. They were outscored by Tulsa, 10 to nothing in the third and fourth quarters. And, you know, you get outscored by Kentucky, 10 nothing in the third and fourth quarters, you're probably going to lose. Um, and that's where everybody's at right now, I would think, with this game. There were some positives. I mean, Ole Miss can run the football, 308 yards on the ground today. Quinshawn Judkins was ice, Jackson Dart. He showed he's got some wills today against a, a pretty good opponent. Um, but, you know, you get into the passing stats. And, uh, you know, Jackson finishes 13 for 24, 154 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, which is very, very important. But 13 for 24, uh, you know, we're not a, a Matt Corral-led football team. We understand that. Everybody knows that. But. I, you know, I think Ole Miss, they're going to come games, and it's probably going to come next Saturday when your quarterback's going to have to win one for you. Matt Corral would go out, and, 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 and look, he would kind of wheel Ole Miss to victory a lot of the times. And sooner or later, that's going to be on Jackson Dart's plate as well. Um, and, and, you know, you want to say, you know, you keep seeing improvement week by week. That first half, incredible. And Jackson ran the ball with more confidence this week. So I don't think you could argue against the fact Jackson Dart didn't make some good improvement this week. But, man, he needs to make a lot more, as do other areas of this football team, um, 
before the Kentucky Wildcats get here. And uh, Tennyson led us in tackles today with 12. That's great, but it's never great when a safety leads you in tackles. But anyway, he did. So yeah, uh, I'm glad you brought up Dart because here's kind of where I'm at with that. It was so encouraging at halftime. And I know it's easy when it's 35 it to 14, was, yeah. but it's the way they got to 35 to 14. He made some nice throws. I Beautiful get you're throw. trying to milk the clock in the fourth, the third and fourth quarters of the big league. I get that. And Ole Miss should be able to just line up and manhandle Tulsa. But the second half play calling was so vanilla, and Tulsa came out committed to limiting Ole Miss, the number one rushing attack in the SEC, as much as humanly possible. And they stuck with that commitment. And we haven't seen the offensive staff really trust Dart, like you say to throw in game-deciding situations. Saturday was just the sixth career start for Jackson Dart combined between USC and Ole Miss. So I totally get their apprehension. And he just now, today, really took hold, at least in an official manner, because Lane Kiffin said it this morning on SEC Network, the quarterback competition between him and Luke Altmaier. And he's earned trust as a runner, because Dart had a lot of late game carries, and he averaged nearly nine per for the entire game. But he's also, like you said, going to have to win a game or two with his arm. And Kiffin and his staff, just aren't there right now with them. They just aren't there. Yeah, it doesn't appear that that is the case. And, you know, I don't know. You know, I look at Tulsa and they came in with a great quarterback and a couple of really good wide receivers and no running game. And Kentucky, on the other hand, is going to come in with a with a quarterback that's, in my opinion, better than Davis Brin certainly better than Braxton, the, the, the second string guy Tulsa had in there today. Um, and he's got good receivers and he's got a great running back. That's going to be back in uh, Chris Rodriguez. So, you know, uh, Ole Miss is going to have to score points, I think, to win this game. Not that I'm disappointed in the, in, in the defense in its entirety today, because we all knew Tulsa had a little offensive acumen about it. Um, but um you know, Ben, it, it's hard. It, it's hard to put this game in a nutshell. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I feel like we're talking about a defeat. We're talking about a victory. And to be honest with you, even when Tulsa pulled it to 35-27, I don't think there were too many Ole Miss fans that were thinking Tulsa's about to beat Ole Miss. But so the game was never really out from under the Rebels' thumbs. But Man, I mean, it was just blah. It shouldn't have been this way. It shouldn't have been this close. And you say, well, it was. Forget about it. No, you don't forget about it because sometimes games like this end up in the loss column. We've seen it all across college football, as you alluded to earlier this year. And, uh, you know, maybe that was the Rebels one that they'll squeeze on out and, uh, and move on ahead. And, and let me say this, that, that before we move on from the passing game, the other thing that concerns you a little bit, okay, there, there were five different Rebels that caught balls today, but, but really only two of any consequence. Malik Heath had four catches for 75 yards and a score. Mingo had three for 54 and one. Trigg, Watkins, Judkins, they accounted for six receptions for 25 yards. Um. You know, so so you really can't say they're distributing the football all over the field and all of that. And, you know, there are a lot of parts of it that we don't see and we don't know about uh, in terms of what Lane Kiffin is seeing. But, you know, 
we watch the game just like everybody else. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I got a question for you. How do you see the line for next week's game? Probably Ole Miss minus three. Yeah, I think home field advantage. Mm-hmm. Pretty much about it. That's, uh, that's what you're looking at. Here's what Lane Kiffin had to say. And before we jump to him, he just announced as we're recording that um, Luke Altmyer is, quote, the backup in those exact words. How about that? Well, we knew that. Everybody knew that. Look, Jackson finished with 135.6 passer rating today. Um, you know, 154 yards, nothing to – nothing. that's nothing to laugh at. He had two touchdowns, as you mentioned, a couple of beautiful long balls. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and no interceptions, no turnovers. So, uh, you know, uh, let's uh, let's encourage that moving ahead. Should we feel ominous about Kentucky after Ole Miss Tulsa or the kind of game Ole Miss needed? You shouldn't feel ominous, but if you need a wake-up call before you've ever played an SEC game, uh, that that's ominous. I, I think that is. Um, you know, as far as the offensive line goes um, – how many times did Ole Miss quarterbacks get sacked today? I'm asking. I, I'm, I'm, I'm I don't have that. I am efforting for you, my friend. Hold on. Here we go. Ole Miss Good. gave up no sacks. Exactly. How many yards did Ole Miss rush for today? Ole Miss is over 300. Rushed for 308. Okay. So, you know, and Jackson Dart did a lot of positive things with his legs today. Um where you could complain about the offensive line was with Caleb Warren and the misfire snaps at center. Um, he was yanked out of the game, was dealing with some kind of injury issue as far as we know. Um, but so I don't necessarily buy into the criticism of the offensive line. Fans are so quick to blame the offensive line when they never watch the offensive line. If, if people aren't stacking numbers and all that stuff, then it's the offensive line's fault. Well, Quinshawn Judkins ran for 140 yards today. Jackson Dart ran for 116. Zach Evans ran for 48. I wonder how many they would have gotten without the offensive line. But what, what's never really been in question is their ability to open holes in the run game. The question has been the protection, which hasn't been good. Well, it, it may not have been good, but they accounted for a lot for some of Jackson Dart's yardage today when he pulled the ball down and, and, and ran for it. Uh, so, you know, and, and nobody got sacked, not a sack. There may have been some hurries, but not a sack. The pass pro is a concern. You, you acknowledge that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 to an extent I do to an extent, but again, nobody got sacked today. Nobody. Um, so, you, you know, I'm just saying, don't hang it all on the offensive line. What about the defensive line? that gave up Tulsa, the 85th-ranked rushing team in America, 200-and-some-odd yards today. I didn't hear him say anything about that. The defensive line was bad. Um, A couple of things. Lane Kiffin also said that Zach Evans was dealing with a medical thing in the second half, and J.J. Pegues and Kari Coleman, who were both hurt, and it relates to this conversation we're having now, he thinks they'll both play next week. But not having those two guys, J.J. Pegues and Kari Coleman, it made it for an ugly day because where was the defensive line? If you ever question the value of J.J. Pegues, who transferred from Auburn, came back home to Oxford, all you got to yeah. do is pop on the Tulsa tape. Ole Miss sorely 
missed his disruption in the middle. And I know true freshman Xavier Harris is a massive human being. He's like 6'7", well over 300 pounds, pushing probably up over 350. But he plays high. He's a true freshman. He was nearly invisible. And veteran Katie Hill wasn't much better. It wasn't all them because Jared Ivey was nowhere to be found. And Ole Miss really had no pass rush to speak of without Kari Coleman because Cedric Johnson commanded all attention. But Ole Miss had 19 players show up in the final defensive stats. Only four were defensive linemen. Johnson was eighth on the team with four tackles, and number 17, 18, and 19 were Hill, Jamon Gordon, and Tavis Robinson in that order. Hill and Gordon had a tackle apiece, and Robinson hurried the quarterback once. Ole Miss didn't have a single sack. Ole Miss has eight consecutive SEC games remaining on their schedule. Injuries are part of the game. Guys are going to come. Guys are going to go. Some guys are going to come back. Some, unfortunately, won't. It's just part of it. And um, that did show up today. For the record, the Ole Miss offensive line gave up seven quarterback hurries today. Seven. No sacks, but seven quarterback hurries. Ooh. All right. Let's get to Lane Kiffin. This is the franchise player postgame show. So, you know, unfortunately, you know, we didn't play well in the second half, especially offensively. We didn't play well at all in the first half defensively, so that's not a good – Good thing um, we did win, so we're four zero, which is you know the best that you could be from a number or record standpoint at this point. But you know, kind of more similar to the first game of the year, you know, where we played really well early and then didn't. And I thought we had overcome that. You know, by the way, the last two games had gone of having really big leads like this one at halftime and coming out. Obviously, we didn't do that today. And tried everything, but got to figure out something better. Sure, they started like a lot of people, probably like a lot of our fans. Like, all right, this one's over. It's, you know, get ready for the next one. Um, you, know, you know, a great team coming in here. So, unfortunately, that happened. You know, the good thing is, you take parts where you say, okay, well, we're, we're really good on offense. We're really good on defense. We just weren't consistent at it. So, that's better than we've all been around teams or games where you, know, you don't feel good about a side or both sides at all. So now I just got to put it together, which again, did a week ago, but every every game's independent of the other and every, of every week is brand new. So got work to do and, and get some guys back healthy to the rest of the day. We'll start down here, we'll start like You talk about putting it all together. Is, is there a simple way to do that or is that just something you have to kind of filter through in practice? I mean, I'm not going to overreact because we just did it two weeks in a row, you know, and so um, well, maybe it's, it's a good thing I try to look at things. And, you know, if we were sitting in here and would have played another half like that, we would have been 200 to whatever, 20-something combined score this season. It would be hard to keep kids' attention and they hear everywhere how great they are. So, you know, um, they definitely should be listening after that. That was not a, you would not think one game in that locker room at all. And um, so at least I think they're starting to understand, we want to be great. You got to knock people out when you have a chance, we have plenty of chances, including in the first half, and not just go down and score a field goal. Um, and you know, the third quarter should come out and put it away. Lane, how would you uh, evaluate Jackson today? And is this still a, a week by week kind of thing? 
I thought we should be surprised if not scoring any points in the second half. But I would say, listen, being so heavy run, uh, statistically, I thought Jackson played well. Um, you know, was even more physical in the run game than I'd like. We tried to stop him a couple times. Um, no idea they didn't want to run him so much, but sometimes that's just what they do on the reads. And even when it's not a quarterback read, if they bring an extra guy, he's got to pull it. So um, I thought he was good, smart with the ball. Uh, I think he looked really good. Made some 
some good runs. Uh, unfortunately, you know, the big fourth down wasn't able to hold on to the catch that would have been pretty significant. Uh, game changing play, you know, versus cover zero and a big route for him. But he continues to play well, especially for a freshman. And I didn't, you know, there at the end there wasn't a lot of room to run, so why the quarterback had to pull and stuff, they were just so loaded and tight there. Lane, what was kind of the biggest culprit to the offense not being successful kind of in that second half, you think, based on the eye test there? Yeah, I think I usually have pretty good answers at that. It just felt like, one, we didn't want to take a ton of risk because the game was going our direction, you know, and um, and so we got a little conservative, which again, the point is to win the game, and you know, it doesn't make myself happy and others happy when it ends like that, but, um, and, and then we just missed a few things too. You know, we missed a couple times uh, with Malik, you know, just underthrowing him and overthrew him on another trade. So when they're all up in there and they're playing man, and that's really where we felt our matchups were in our favor. With our outside receivers, one time we score on it, another time we hit a fade, and then we missed whatever three or four of them. It would be a big difference. Coach, are you able to give us an update on JJ Pease or Kari uh, Coleman? Yeah, I think they'll both play next week. Um, I think JJ, you know, could have played if he had to this week. It wasn't a disrespect to the opponent. It was just long term, not, you know, something, it was something he could hurt worse. So, you know, we didn't play him. Coach, this was your biggest test in the season so far. What are you expecting going into conference play next week? You get Kentucky at home. What does that, what does today's performance say about how your guys are going to improve? You know, I, I think it's, I don't like it obviously in the moment, but you guys hear me talk about obstacles away, like you realize, okay, you know, it was good. So once we watch it, once we're able to have a lot of good things to show them where we didn't do the right things, you know, I think it'll get their attention and um, we'll come out and play better, you know, with that hopefully. So you can't pick and choose when you're going to play good, what plays, by what the score is, what stadium you're in. Unfortunately, we did that in the second half today. In the first three games, there was kind of a, a plan to get Luke Allmeyer some snaps uh, in some capacity. Was, was that the plan today? The game went differently. What was kind of the plan going in? Uh, yeah, we, we have a plan right now with Luke that, you know, just kind of we've sat down with him and his family and have a plan for him. And, you know, he's our backup quarterback, so on the same page. Those last three or four stops for the defense in the fourth quarter, what did you see kind of click for them in those drives that maybe wasn't working earlier in the game? I uh, weren't missing the quarterback so much. I mean, we had some significant fourth down play. We come for three on the pick, the quarterback's right there, and sack, and it's a throwing touchdown in the play. So um, just more consistent with the rush guys and the blitzers getting there and tackling them. You mentioned that you know in the locker room after the game, it didn't seem like with the guys it seemed like you had won that game. What's kind of your level of concern after you know the way that uh, y'all ended it in the second half? Well, like I said, you know I'll get better over the next 24 hours about it. And, you know I already, you know this team's done that. Puzzle done that a lot of people. You know you look like a lot of times they go into places. Cincinnati is number whatever, three or four in the country, you 
know, a year ago or one yard away from winning that game, the Ohio State game's close. You know, these guys have gone on the road, played really good teams, and hung around with them. So this is more normal what they do. Um, you know, it just looked like it wasn't going that way early. Last one, Joe. Playing two weeks in a row, got in the target and called it. Didn't look like there was any intent. Do you like the way the rule is being enforced, or is it just that cut and dry? If it's you hit the head, it's a target. Yeah, I mean, it's for medical reasons. It's a good rule, and you know we've been able. I remember I was in the NFL when it started, and everybody said there's no way we can coach them out of it, and it has. You know, and the, the type of hits have decreased dramatically because of the rule being changed. So it's not fun when it happens to you. The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Three, one, three, one, two, three. Let's go. Helmet stickers. All right, David, every single week after an Ole Miss win or loss, we hand out helmet stickers. Your first helmet sticker goes to who? My first helmet sticker today goes to Jackson Dart. For what he was able to do with his legs, uh, you know, and his ability um, to improvise. I mean, it goes to Jackson, 116 yards today on the ground on 13 attempts. Uh, again, he threw for 154, two touchdowns, no interceptions. That's a key right there. And uh, I think he played with a little authority. So my first helmet sticker, Jackson Dart. Mine goes to Quinshawn Judkins. I was asked on this podcast, not by David, but by someone else, would I trade Zach Evans, I think it was Bradley Sowell, for a Will Rogers, Mississippi State starting quarterback. And I said I would. It had absolutely nothing to do with how good – Zach Evans is. He's awesome. I love Zach Evans. He was banged up today, but he is awesome. Hell, Jackson Dart is more talented than Will Rogers. I really only said yes because I love Quinshawn Judkins. He's like if Deuce and Brandon Bolden had a running back baby. Because Zach Evans was banged up, and I don't even think he played the second half, and yet Judkins had 27 carries to 13 for Zach Evans for 140 yards and two touchdowns. He scored six touchdowns through four games. There's just absolutely no drop-off, David to Quinshawn Judkins, and this came from Chad Hubbard on Twitter, and I'll pose it to you. Did Quinshawn Judkins become RB1 against Tulsa? It's a good question, but no, I don't think so. I mean, I think this is a 1A, 1B situation here, and uh, as long as they stay healthy uh, the rest of the season, you're going to see them get pretty much, I think, equal carries. But Judkins uh, making a push from going 1B. I remember we referred to him a couple of weeks ago 
Evans is 1A, Judkins is 1B. Uh, Judkins is making a push towards 1A status. So I don't think there's any doubt about it. He played he played magnificently today. Your second helmet sticker goes to who? Uh, you know, I'm going to go a little out of the ordinary here and a guy that never gets credit because the position never gets credit. But uh, Fraser Mazin. I mean, five punts, a 43.2 yard average, 51 was as long. He hadn't, he, uh, I, I mean, the guy was just great. Two punts inside the 20 today. This is a kid that missed half of fall camp due to injury. Uh, so much so that Lane goes out and recruits Charlie Partridge. Uh, remember him, the overweight kicker who were, who was selling t-shirts <laughs> at one point. Uh, Mazin has kicked in every game for the Rebels, punted in every game for the Rebels, has done a very good job, did a great job out there today. I know Lane Kiffin hates handing out awards to special teams guys, but uh, Mazin gets a helmet sticker. My second helmet sticker goes to A.J. Finley. Two double-digit tacklers for Ole Miss against Tulsa in Ladarius Tennyson and um, who was the other one? Troy Brown, Central Michigan transfer at linebacker. But Finley had nine tackles and a game-turning interception. Tyson Johnson, while we're on the subject of Ole Miss defenders who did well against Tulsa, he doesn't get enough credit for how good he is. He had eight tackles, including six solos and a pass breakup. But A.J. Finley gets taken for granted because he's the longtime starter in the secondary uh, team captain, um, and he had a great day. And his interception actually turned out to be quite consequential when you consider the final score. Very true, very true. Your final helmet sticker. My, fi my final helmet sticker goes to the Ole Miss fan base. Uh, for one, having to endure this game, um, unfortunately, uh, a lot closer than what I predicted it was going to be. And I, I'm sure your prediction was was kind of thrown out the window as well. Um, what was your final uh, score? It was 45-17, uh, I think. Mine was 52-21. Yeah, Both of us would have been fine had the offense kept scoring in the second half. They didn't score a point. It didn't happen that way. But, uh, I, you know, if, if any Ole Miss fan picked Ole Miss to win 35-27, hit me up on Twitter or something or on the message board. Uh, but, yeah, it goes to the fan base because now, you know, there are six days of, of worrying and fretting about what next Saturday is going to work out to be. And um, – there's nothing you can do about it or I can do about it or anybody can do about it uh, except Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss Rebels, and they've got a lot of work to do this week at practice. I know it was hot as hell outside. It was terrible, and it was a bad game, and you were miserable. There is no excuse not to pack out Kentucky. It is 11 a.m., though, and it could be hot as hell, but come on. Pack it out for Kentucky. Yeah, There's one thing you can do absolutely. if you're worried today is show up for Kentucky. I get not showing up for Tulsa. I really do, especially with the heat. But next Saturday, Ole Miss needs its fans bad. Yeah, but it was uh, – that stadium was tough looking in the second half. It looked awful. Not just <laughs> the student section either. Not just the student section. A lot of people uh, checked out of the heat early. Um, and uh, But the good news is cool fronts moving in. Highs in the 70s next week. So, uh, you know, it'll be okay. Can I pitch okay. you an idea? Can we kind of pitch you a lighthearted idea that is, is obviously it, a joke, but we need is to it, what? Is it selling coffee and hot chocolate next Saturday or what? No, I was gonna say, since no one knows what to do with a tad pad, make it the alternate home game site by hollowing it out 
and just putting like an arena field inside. So you have a dome. They're not going to knock it down. It would cost more money to knock it down than to renovate it. So it's just sitting there. And sometimes so it's used for graduation. Make it like the Dallas Cowboys. They've got the star, you know, with their indoor, and they do a lot of their preseason stuff in there. Do that yeah. except with the tad pad. And when it gets so hot, just sell that out. Give it to all your highest donor people for like 9,000 seat stadium. So every September game from here on out is going to be a dome game, an arena game. Yeah, but then you just walk over once the, uh, you know, the Mississippi heat turns to cool and Vaughn Hemingway Stadium is back, baby. And set up all of your September schedule like this. The preseason is officially over, David, right? Now the season an eight-game SEC schedule. Yeah, that, that's it. Kentucky. And, and, and you know what? Here's the thing. I said they'd be 7-0 going to Baton Rouge. If they get past Kentucky, and I watched Auburn play today, they look terrible. they're going to beat Vanderbilt. They're going to beat Auburn, I think. And then uh, I was right. They're going to be 7-0 and going to Baton Rouge. Um, and, you know, yes, the SEC, but, you know, there are some beatable opponents mixed in there, and anything can happen. And, you know, I, I guarantee you, after watching film tomorrow, correcting some mistakes, this Ole Miss football team is going to be the first people to flush this game. It's going to be out of their system and gone. Um and, and Tulsa playing in the AAC, listen, they're going to win a lot more football games for sure. Yeah, but and, still, Ole Miss should have beat the Crimson. I know. I, I get that. I get that, but it didn't happen that way. And, the, again, the things that alarm me the most is, number one, the amount of rushing yards Tulsa was able to get on Ole Miss. They didn't run for that much on Northern Illinois or, or Wyoming. And they did most of it with their third team running back. They, they did, uh, getting handed off to by their second-team quarterback. Who was a redshirt uh, freshman. Correct. So, you know, you know that alarms me. And the fact that the Ole Miss offense went anemic in the second half, um, that cannot happen. It cannot happen. In, I don't care. If you played like this at Vanderbilt, you would be lucky to get a victory there. You can't do it against an SEC opponent. You get the final word, David, on Ole Miss Tulsa. Give it to me. It's it's simple. As Lane likes to say, you cannot be 5-0 and without being 4-0. This football team is 4-0. They won this game today. It wasn't with any style points or, or anything like that. And there are a lot of uh, caveats you could put with this victory, if you will. But um, the quarterback battle has been decided. You have a quarterback, whether you like him or you're indifferent or you don't. That's the quarterback you're going to battle with the rest of the year, as long as he stays healthy. Uh, you know you've got a good ground game, a good running game. Uh, this is a team that um, can still do a lot and a lot of good. It has every goal it put in front of itself, still in front of itself. There is a little board inside the media room. Uh, that on Mondays has been filled in with every column with a little shark. And it is a goal board for the defense. In the first three games, they've hit every goal, every goal. I'm interested to see on Monday how many sharks are on that board, as if, the, if, if they did it, because they obviously did not do it today. Um, but um, hang in there. Hang in there. We're 4-0. 
Got a big game next Saturday. Who knows? Maybe we'll find out before the end of the night that game day is coming to Oxford. Maybe I'll feel better tomorrow because, like I wrote on Twitter, flush it, you're 4-0, move on, and hope that that was just one of these letdown games. One quick more word from David. So Lane Kiffin says there's a plan with Luke Altmyer's family. I'm assuming, and you can tell me this assumption is dumb as shit, but I'm assuming that means that Jackson Dart's going to start. He is the starter. If something happens, yes, you can take the red shirt off. But unless that happens, he's not going in and mop-up duty. That's Kincaid. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, man, that's um, that's pretty telling, but that's that's being out front about everything. I wouldn't expect Lane to be any other way. I appreciate the and, honesty of the whole thing from everyone involved. Coaches, players, yeah, family, I, lo- I love the honesty of it. That, that's what I'm saying. I do, too. I do, too. And that would put you in an interesting situation. And, boy, if this isn't putting the cart before the pony. But, uh, you know, Ole Miss is obviously going to search the portal, I think, for a number – possibly number two quarterback next year if they don't think Kincaid Dent can do that. Uh, and then, you know, you got to do all you can if Luke Altmaier were to leave to keep Kincaid Dent in place. Um, or like I said, I've said this before, it could be Jackson Dart and uh, Marcel Reed, a true freshman. And so, whoever uh, the next Tyrone Pegram is. Correct. Absolutely. <laughs> Tyrone Pegram, I think, is playing for a D2 school up in North Carolina right now. Oh. And best of luck to it. What was the name of the keg kicker punter that Ole Miss has? What's his name again? Charlie, Charlie Partridge, man. Charlie Partridge. No, Pollock. Charlie Pollock, yes, Pollock. Yeah, like a Jackson Pollock page. He's just, yes. Yeah, no relation to Chris Partridge, not his son, <laughs> not his cousin, not anything. Well, I'm saying uh, just find the Charlie Pollock, uh, the two Charlie Pollock's quarterbacks. Whatever the Charlie Pollock equivalent is at quarterbacks, find two or three of those. You'll be fine. Well, think of it. I mean, it, you know, if Dart goes on and has a great year here, and obviously he's coming back, he has to. Um how hard is it going to be to pull a portal quarterback? Well, we said say, the same thing back with Shea Patterson, too, and Ole Miss found the, quote, Charlie Pollock of quarterback transfers and got Jordan Tiamo, and he turned out to be really good. Yeah, Dan Warner did that all by himself. He basically. was good, and he was he, good. He was, he was but um, I, I think Tiamu may be the rare exception to that rule. <laughs> um, Tiamu actually believed he was coming in here to beat Shea Patterson out, and by God, he did. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, good for Jordan. Jordan's one of my all-time favorite Ole Miss Rebels. Love well, that guy. if one of our former listeners to this podcast just happens to tune in for this one, you're going to be getting such an angry DM later. I Sean am. Patterson. Sean Patterson. I'm making a Sean Patterson joke. Uh, I already have a, a text from him today. So, uh, Overreaction Monday, I want you to come with some hot takes. A lot of fun. A lot of fun, Ole Miss fans. Thank you, Ben. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. 
you made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.